Welcome to today's episode of the Leadership Excellence Podcast. If you haven't already done so, please hit the subscribe button so you never miss another episode. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a rating and review. That really helps us grow organically so we can help more people. We're looking for ways to build stronger relationships and provide more support for our listeners. If you want to stay connected to us, please sign up for more Leadership Excellence information on our website. There's a direct link in the podcast description. Let's get after it. There are so many things that impact our ability to achieve success, but none are more important than leadership. Individuals and organizations rise and fall with leadership. We are here to help you rise. Thank you for joining us. This is the Leadership Excellence Podcast. Hello, leaders, and welcome to Leadership Excellence. My name is Danny Langloss, and today I'm joined by Karen Shorey, the president of LMI Central Illinois and Slight Edge Coaching. Karen is a certified professional coach with over 25 years of leadership experience. Her enthusiasm for mentoring and developing leaders is evident to all she works with. In 2011, she was introduced to the LMI world while living in Canada. It was in that role she found her passion facilitating and developing leaders to their full potential. Today, we're going to talk about a couple topics that will lead to increased productivity and very high levels of success for you and your team. These areas are time management, motivation, and team empowerment. Karen, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me today. It's my pleasure. So, Karen, how did you end up in Canada? That's such a <laughs> cool thing. It, it is. And everybody's like, oh, you're Canadian? No, I'm not Canadian. Um, I did have the pleasure of living there for 10 years on the East Coast in New Brunswick, Canada. Um, my husband took a, um, well, there was a job there that he took and it allowed us to be a lot closer actually to our family. Uh, most of our family, parents and whatnot live in Northern Maine. So we were only about three hours away from them. So it just felt like a really good fit. So um, that's that's how I ended there. Um, we ended up coming back about five years ago, um, and we're now back in the Midwest in central Illinois. That is awesome. That is awesome, which really ties into my question to share a little bit about your leadership journey and what brought you where you are today. So the transition to Canada is is where you discovered LMI. So what's LMI stand for? And talk to me about that a little bit. Yeah, LMI is Leadership Management International, and um, they go by the name LMI World. Um, and it is a company that was founded in the 60s by a gentleman named Paul J. Meyer. He's since passed away. Um, but it's a phenomenal com company built on developing people to their full potential by creating measurable results in leadership. And so I landed upon that job kind of... Um, you know, by coincidence, if you believe in coincidences. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a friend of a friend that said, hey, there's somebody I know that's looking for someone. And I was in need of a job at the time and, um, and literally was looking at it as just that, a job. But it was within a few months that I realized this is exactly like, this resonated so deeply within me. I'm like, this is what I have to do the rest of my life. So when we moved back to the States, um, I had to figure out, okay, how can I stay within this organization? And so it is a franchise-based leadership development company. So I purchased the franchise and here I am today. That is, that is so awesome. What a great story. We yeah. never know where, where things are going to take us, where our journey is going to lead us. Yeah. And I know after talking to you for a while um, last week, uh, it's, there's so many people that are really lucky that this is where your journey led you because you're helping so many people. Oh, and thank you. I think our listeners are going to be just blown away today 
by your insights and by the information you're going to share. Karen, what drives your passion for leadership? Um, I, I think it goes back to like having something awakened within me. And I, I, I realized that for, for years I was living below my own personal potential. I was just mediocre and that seemed to be okay. And, you know, I, I did well in what I did, but well wasn't all I'm capable of doing. And so I think through finding LMI and going through the programs myself um, as a participant and now being having the privilege of facilitating them and walking people through this process to see people transformed, like people go from good to great. People go from, you know, feeling completely stressed and overwhelmed to managing their life and being in charge and feeling in control again. Like that just, that really does drive me. I just, I get so excited when I see it. I get excited listening to you talk about why you're excited about it because that's really <laughs> the essence of leadership. The impact that that leaders and the individuals have on others is just so profound. And when we have this incredible impact on others, it is so much more far reaching. It isn't just for that mm-hmm. person. It's for their family, their kids, yeah. like their husband, their friends, their team members, Uh, The ripple effect just goes on and on and on and on. So let's dive in a little bit. And thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate it. Um, I would argue that next to our team members, time is our greatest asset. It's it's a very limited commodity. I know I wish I had five more hours of my day. Such a critical component to our success. So when you look at time management and you work with leaders and teams, what are some of the things you do to help people manage their time better and increase their productivity. Yeah. And and just to uh, reiterate what you said, aside from people being, you know, our greatest asset time really is. And if we don't manage our own personal time, um, we certainly can't help others manage their time. And so um, really helping people to identify what their priorities are. Um, You know, we, we might rattle off our priorities like very vaguely, um, but then do we actually order our day to reflect that they are true priorities? So helping people identify what those are, um, you know, I call them high payoff activities. You know, it's that Pareto principle. What, what are the 20% of the things that you do that give you the 80% of your return um, in everything we do? And if we can figure out what that is and give maybe our best time to those 20% things or activities, um, we're going to see our productivity right just from that one simple exercise just shoot right up. You know, you said something so important there too, like that the, the 20% of what you do translate to completing 80% of the value, right? The most important things and prioritizing when you do that within your day is important as well. It's something I've discovered really recently. Can you take a deeper dive into that? Yeah, I think um, so many people come, you know, when we, we go to work because, well, we want a paycheck, but we go to work because we want to help. We want to make a difference. And so the typical person, you know, they do their job, but then you get all these extra things heaped on you from someone calling you, hey, can you help me with this project? Can you do this project? Okay, sure, I'll do it. They write it down. They, they try to get it done. And their personal priorities get pushed off because you're trying to help other people. And we are coming at it from a good, in, you know, our, 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 in, our motivation is good. It's, it's to help other people. But because we don't know how to order our own selves, 
everything's just chaos. And so to be able to sit down at the beginning of the day and say, okay, if I could just complete one thing today, what is the most important thing for me to do? And then look at it. Like if you're a night owl, you know, first thing in the morning may not be your best time to work on something. You know, I'm a morning person. So my thinking projects, my creative projects, I, I book time in the morning to do those because that's when I'm the most fresh. So I think being aware of like, how are you wired? And then ordering your day um, based on that makes a huge difference. One of the things that I've discovered recently, and especially with, you know, I'm the city manager of Dixon and which is a, a very full-time, more than full-time job, but I really enjoy meeting people like you, incredible, incredible people and sharing the, the depth of information that you and the others have through the podcast and then connecting through the social networks and adding value. And my time like yours is in the morning. And mm-hmm. so what I've found is, and then I explain it, what I found is like, if I go somewhere that's just nice, peaceful, relaxing, get there by 6 a.m., 6.30 a.m., the amount that I can accomplish, and especially in the creative and the innovative side, in an hour, hour and a half, two hours is incredible. And then I started expanding that and then mm-hmm. spending my first hour of like, of work as the city manager, I would just transition right there. And, it, and it's crazy how in an hour's time or an hour and a half's time, I could get done what would take me eight hours or what I might not get accomplished in a day. Absolutely. Because sometimes I am my own worst enemy. I love our, our team. I love our people. It's a family. I love to interact, but I don't do a great job of setting boundaries and I want to be open and approachable, but yet I've got to make sure to get the work done. I need to get done as well. So such a valuable such a valuable tool. What are some other things when it comes to time management that you work on? Are there some other, you know, key indicators or key strategies there? Yeah. So, and, and again, to, to your point, um, I would encourage people and any listeners find creative ways to block out, literally block out your time. Um, if you, you know, it's COVID-19, a lot of us are working from home, you know, so if you have to go sit in your car at a park. Um, you know, my, my husband does that. He'll take the first two hours of his day and he goes to a park and he just sits there, be, not because he has nothing to do, but because he's undistracted and he can be creative. Um, so that's huge. But then that goes to speaking of things that help us be productive is distractions. We have so many. So being able to track them, um, you know, we have um, an exercise that we do of form that I I give my clients and it it basically looks like a a day it's broken up into 15 minute increments and and then you mark first of all what are your high payoff activities what are the normal things that you do during the course of a day and then start marking how much time you're spending in those things and what are the distractions that are coming your way is it the ding of a phone you know the buzz of the phone makes us all kind of jump you know even if it's just mentally um is it the knock at the door is it the phone ringing is it uh the emails that are popping up on our identify what those distractions are and then how can we eliminate those We obviously can't turn off all of our notifications, but some of us have the power to do that or to say, hey, I'm only going to check my email three times a day versus every time it pops up because it's not always an emergency, but we think it is because we don't know. So identifying distractions is huge and then work on, um, you know, if the distraction is in the form of a person, why is this person coming to me five, six times a day? Is it 
they have nothing else to do? Is it because they don't know what to do? Okay, that's a teaching moment. Is it because they don't feel empowered? Oh, then I need to give my authority to this person and make it communicate that clearly so that they don't have to come to me to ask my approval for everything. You know, it's, it's funny. I never really looked at it in that sense, but if you do have somebody that's coming to you multiple times, what, why is that? Is it, you know, and sometimes in the work environment, it's a good thing. It's just to pop in and say, Hey, and you might have a question and then you run down this rabbit hole and the next thing you know, you've lost 45 minutes. (laughs) But but on the other token, if it isn't that, and that's a boundary we've got to try to set, you know, in the right way, is it a teaching moment? Is it a coaching moment? Do we need to empower our team more? If you've got people coming in multiple times a day asking you things, maybe that's a time for us to sharpen our EQ, right? And our own awareness and say, am I micromanaging? Have I empowered our team? Have I mm-hmm. let them know I trust and believe in them? Have I enabled them to take on these actions themselves? That's, I love that. And I never really thought of it in that way. What, what are some of your tips regarding email? Because one of the things I often find is that, you know, the, the day runs me instead of me running my day after mm-hmm. like 8.30 or 9.30 or 10 a.m. Because I've started to become stingy with that time unless somebody really, really needs me, right? But then it's so easy just to get into an email here or a text message here or a phone call there. Do you have suggestions on that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, probably one of the most important things is if you're going to make any change, make sure you communicate those changes to the people that you're going to directly impact and affect. So if you're going on a diet, um, you know, you definitely don't want to put it on Facebook, but you definitely want to maybe share with the people you want to, I shouldn't say diet because diets don't work, but if you want to make a healthy lifestyle change, you want to communicate that to the people that you live with so that they don't sabotage you um, or so that they might understand why they're seeing a lot more green things on their plates every night. Um, And so the same with making changes at work, if you're going to, hey, I want to see if I can manage the impact that my emails, just email alone is going to have on me, I need to communicate that with people because if they've been used to emailing you 10 times a day and all of a sudden now they don't hear from you, they're, they're probably thinking, has he had a heart attack? Is he okay? What, what happened to her? Why is she responding? Is she mad at me? All of these thoughts come up. So communicate first to those people and let them know. But my suggestion would be based on your role, you, you know, everybody knows intuitively how really important we need or how much time we really need to, devo- to, de- to give to checking our email, but maybe once or twice a day. Um, you know, if that feels like really scary, okay, look three times a day. Let it be after you plan your day, not before. After you plan your day, mm-hmm. check your emails. Maybe check it around noon time and then check it again maybe a half an hour before you leave to go home or to close your books for the day. And, and that way, you know, another thing I tell people is if you get an email before noon, do your best to respond to it by before you leave for the next, that day. If you receive an email in the afternoon, do your best to respond to it before noon the next day. And after a while you could get into a rhythm and the people that communicate with you will, will understand that and know that about you. Excellent. I don't know if that answers your yeah, question. It, it does. Uh, and you can charge me after the show for that. Cause that's one of my bigger issues. I'm down. Um, I think 
over 1200 emails right now. I've almost kind of given up, um, wow. you know, and it's just, there's so much information. And when you go through it, a lot of it's information things to stay abreast and sometimes you miss stuff. So I do set that communication expectation with people. If you've emailed me and it's something important, you know, shoot me a text if I don't get back to it right away because mm-hmm. the days are just crazy. And then, you know, one of my mentors, um, Dave Schreiner, who had told me, you know, it's okay. You know, you're, you're very busy. Like you, there's only so much time in the day and people can't expect you to work around the clock. So you just do the best you can with it and and move on. The other thing I heard you say during this time management thing that I thought is really important and and is kind of like creating a budget of your time, like Mm -hmm. maybe tracking for a a couple days and I'll let you kind of chime in as like how many days you should do that, what it is you're doing, what you're spending your time on, especially if you have kind of set days and routines. Um, and then you can really start to see like, where can I be more efficient? Where can I block things? And, and then you can start scheduling your day better. So when you start to budget your day, much like you do a budget for, you're going back and looking at what all my expenses were and where can I cut and how can I be more efficient right. with money? How, how many days should somebody kind of budget their day and track what they're doing before they kind of create that? I encourage people, you want to do, you want to choose three normal days. So (laughs) normal is, you know, with air quotes, because, uh, you know, typical days, um, not your atypical, like this is like a totally off the wall kind of day, but track three typical, normal, uh, this is my normal routine kind of day. Um, and do it periodically. Like I would say once a quarter would be really, really wise because we're creatures of habit. And so we have the tendency to go back, you know, that muscle memory of (laughs) pulls us back into our old habits. So if you were to do that every quarter for three consecutive days or three typical days, you can see like, to your point, uh, that, that, the patterns that are happening and maybe in the afternoon you, you have far more interruptions. Well, that tells you right there, don't plan something in the afternoon that requires your undivided attention. It's just not going to happen. Um, so be realistic about the planning as well. Awesome. Before we transition out of this topic, are there any other big things that you'd like to share related to time management? Um, the only other thing uh, we were talking about time, Oh, about the emails is you can actually sort, you know, there's probably a thousand different ways to do it, but I know emails really get people, (laughs) they overwhelm people. So you could actually sort your, your inbox. You could create folders, one called imperative. And as you're sorting through your emails, throw everything in that imperative file that requires your attention that day and everything else throw in the important, make a file that says like read on a rainy day, you know, just kind of sort. And that, that might help you a little bit and unsubscribe. Oh my goodness. Unsubscribe to all of those emails that we get that have no value whatsoever um, because they just bog us down. Even if you're not reading them, it still takes that second or two to, to look, do I need to pay attention to this? So yeah. Yeah. That the unsubscribe. And one of the things I find just because it is so, so busy is that it just takes time to unsubscribe, right? <laughs> and so these continue to build up and become overwhelming. I, I wish the listeners could, uh, could have seen Karen's face when I told her I had over 1,200 unread emails. I, I think I shocked her conscience there. Yeah, um, you did. <laughs> that's great. So Karen, let's move on now to, so we, we get our time managed, huge part of productivity, mm-hmm. huge part of accomplishing more. 
But motivation is also a really big component of that. And so motivation for ourselves and staying motivated, especially during these COVID-19 times, but mm-hmm. but real strategies for continuing to keep our team connected and motivated. Yeah, motivation is absolutely huge. And I think we talked about uh, when we talked last week, there's like different types of motivation. You know, you have the fear um, or negative motivation. You have the the incentive motivation and they work. Um, you know, they keep people going. You know, everybody likes a good bonus here and there. Um, no one wants to get fired. <laughs> you know, they keep us going. But attitude motivation is what keeps you going when nothing is going right. Attitude motivation keeps you going because you're just showing up to be the best version of you. It doesn't matter if you've got that coworker that is like nails on a chalkboard when you hear their name. Um, you just do your job with excellence because that's who you are. Um, so motive, um, attitude motivation is really key. And I think the biggest way to keep that present and healthy is to stay focused on it. So self-care, you know, take time to meditate or just be quiet in the course of a day. Uh, take time to develop yourself personally. Um, I tell everybody, you know, if you don't know what your high, we may touch back on some other things that we've said, but if you don't know what your high payoff activities are, everyone can stick personal development down. That's one, that's a freebie, right? And, but how many of us don't personally develop ourselves daily? And it doesn't have to be a big thing. It could be simply taking 20 minutes to listen to a podcast or 30 minutes or an hour um, you know, when we're in our car, use our time wisely to pour into ourselves because that will help stir up and, and strengthen that attitude motivation that's within us. Because that really, really is the key for us to get going. You can't motivate other people if you're not motivated yourself. Um, it just it just doesn't work. Awesome. So what are so we got to take care of ourselves. We got to stay focused on the things that are important. Uh, you know, constantly realigning the purpose, understanding the value, what it is we're doing, like those things that, that light our own fire, right? And keep it burning. How do we, even though there's a lot of motivation that comes from within, what are some strategies to motivate our team and to keep our team energized? Yeah. Um, number one is communication, uh, which is not just the words coming out of your mouth, <laughs> but communicating effectively, like, if you're really wanting to motivate your team, I would challenge you to find out what is the communication style of that person. Are they analytical? Are they a driver? This is not a personality style, but how do they communicate? Um, meaning how do they receive information and how do they express their information? Um, are they an expressive person uh, in their communication style? Are they amiable in their communication style? So knowing those four communication styles will really help you to most effectively communicate to them. And then once you know what that style is, start communicating. What's the vision? Find out what motivates them. Um, if, If you're all about just expressing your vision to your team and you don't know one single thing about them as a person, um, can I say shame on you? Yes. Um, (laughs) Shame on you. (laughs) Yeah. We like, we really need to know, you know, you've got somebody coming to work and they're dragging their, their butt and you, you, you're just going to get frustrated, but maybe you could stop and say, Hey, what's going on? You know, maybe this person is, you know, losing some sleep. They got a brand new baby. They're not sleeping at night. They're coming to work. They're trying their best to show up. If you show concern and empathy and begin talking to that person and say, Oh, you know what? I totally get it. I, you know, 
I've been in those shoes and you know what, just want to encourage you, this too shall pass or, <laughs> or whatever it is to find a way to, to connect with that person and let them know you care because they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I think that's a common um, expression we've probably all heard, but it's so very true. You can't communicate your, your message effectively to other people unless they know you care. And so I think that really keeps um, them motivated. And also knowing, having that vision clear for everybody, um, not just a big global vision, but like, you know, I like to bring down, you know, I set goals for myself that are yearly. I have five-year plan, um, 10-year plan, but, and that's nice. But what am I going to do today? I need to bring that down. I need to zoom in, if you will, on my goal for my team as well as myself into, okay, what are we doing in the next 90 days? That's a great number for us to focus on because anybody can get rallied around that. Um, and then what do I need to focus on this week as a team? Like if we're always communicating that, making sure that's clear, they're going to stay motivated and excited. So that, that's just one way to... Uh, motivate your team. That's awesome. I, you know, I've been talking a lot. And so for, for those listening to the podcast, you know, LinkedIn is the place I'm the most active. And I've been talking a ton lately about how people want to come to work as their whole self. They don't want to have this, hey, this is work me and this is personal me, right? They're, they're the same person all the time. And a lot of times we get a lot better out of people, especially leaders who don't come in and think they got to fill a certain role as a leader, just come to work as yourself. And especially in COVID-19, there's so much going on behind the scenes. Like mm -hmm. there's this remote learning and now parents are teachers. There's working from home and people are isolated. Um, you know, they're, they're not getting out and doing normal things. Their routines are disrupted. They can't go to the, you know, the gym or the facility they used to go to or whatever the case may be. And so a lot of times, if we address the underlying things that are maybe inhibitors to motivation that are causing anxiety and stress and depression, and if, we're just, if we just listen and care and we're a sounding board and we can empathize, that starts, to, that starts to recharge people. Sometimes they just need somebody to download it to. And I know so many leaders I've talked to, they're like, you know, it's not my place to ask them about their personal life or, you know, we're focused on work. And it's like, I think people are missing the boat there if they're not communicating with their team Absolutely. in those ways. Absolutely. I think the greatest um, phrase that any leader could ever learn or memorize is tell me about it. Be curious, you know, find out things, you know, someone's running late for work. I, you know, you can make the, you can be captain obvious and say you're late for work. They know. <laughs> you could scold them. If you're late for work again, we're going to have to dock your pay. Okay. Or you could say, hey, I noticed you've been late the last couple of weeks. Tell me about that. And they could say, you know, hey, we're, we've, you know, we've hit some financial rough times and we're down to one car and I, I dropped my, my wife off and then I dropped the kids off to the daycare and, and then I, I hit every red traffic light. You know, <laughs> there's always the train that gets in the way or... <laughs> Okay. All right. So what if we maybe adjust your hours so that we can take some stress off you instead of you coming in at eight? What if you can come in at eight 30 and, and stay another half an hour later? You know, you might've just lifted the world off that gentleman's shoulder or that woman's shoulder just by using the phrase, tell me about it. Wow. 
so, so powerful. I, I think mm-hmm. there's four things we talk about that, that everybody needs. And the first one is they need to feel cared for. They need to genuinely feel cared about. If you want people to care about your organization, to give passionate discretionary effort, to be connected, they got to feel cared for. Second thing is they got to feel important. Like they're an important part of what makes it because if they're like, well, I don't matter anyway. So what's it matter? Right. Mm-hmm. The, the third thing is, is everybody wants to make a difference. And so what I heard you say, one thing that's really important is connecting people to vision, make sure the vision is clear, make sure they understand the difference and impact that they're making. Because even when we're worn down, if we understand there's a challenge ahead and it's helping us make a difference, we can dig deep and get that energy. And then the fourth thing is, is that everyone wants to be appreciated for the work that they do. You so know, true. And so you really unpack those things. And while leadership is, is so much more than that, I feel like if leaders could get those four things down, if they just did that, that would be an incredible, incredible foundation and, and things would go pretty well. But you truly got to care because the story you just unpacked there, you know, if you can't empathize with somebody in that situation, you shouldn't be leading. And when you do empathize with that and you offer to be flexible, which is one of the things we talk about modern leadership and that flexibility, mm-hmm. um, wow, the, the commitment and the loyalty and the engagement and the connection and the trust and all those things just go, you know, continue to elevate. Absolutely. You know, really, to the, it's, it's intrinsic in our human nature to want to be valued and, and we're valued when we're seen, when we're heard when some, we know someone cares about us and then we want to give more. So like, if you want to empower your team, you know, I want to challenge you to think how, how are you showing value to that individual or to that team? Because when they, when they recognize that their weight makes a difference, um, what they do makes a difference, what they produce makes a difference that without them, there would be a hole in the team. Oh my goodness. All of a sudden now I just want to, I want to do more. I want to show up a better version of myself. And, and I think that's what we're all looking for. And we think it's some sort of, I don't know, magic button or some hard complex um, equation, but it's just show value. Show value. So, so powerful. I'm reading a book right now. I was sharing it with you last week by Daniel Pink. It's called mm-hmm. Drive. And so we're talking about the three different drives, but the one that intrinsic drive um, it's such an important thing. And it's what we're really looking to tap into um, as organizations and companies and, and through our connections. And so he kind of broke down, there's three things that, that everybody needs. The one is autonomy. The mm-hmm. second is mastery. And the third is purpose. So those are the three motivators. That's not what they need. They're, those are the three main motivators for the intrinsic drive. And so much of what you talked about here really begins to unpack those, those things. And so I just want to share that with the listeners that are listening to motivation. If they want something to go and, and check out and take a deeper dive and explore, um, it's really, I'm, I'm, I'm about three chapters into the book right now and it's really, really good. But I uh, just wanted to share that for a little extra nugget, a little extra value. Yeah, Daniel Pink has quite a few books out, and that, that is a good one as well. Um, and also, too, you mentioned the word mastery. Um, I think too often we're focused on performance instead of mastery. And so, you know, learn to let go and just do what you're good at. 
and not try to be so perfect at everything. Um, and when we let go of that desire for perfection, all of a sudden we become masters at something. Um, you know, I, I played an instrument when I was in high school and and I remember, you know, right before a concert, you'd be practicing and practicing and, and like, you know, so worried. I don't want to mess up. I have a solo. I don't want to, you know, make a mistake and everybody's going to be listening. It's going to be embarrassing. And all you think of all the worst case scenarios. And when I just leaned in and said, you know what, I'm just going to play. I know this instrument. I know the music. And you know what, if I mess up, I'm going to be improvising because no one else knows except for me. And, and, and then it's beautiful. And so I think that's what we need to do in our leadership too, is not be so perfect. You don't always have to have the answers and it's okay to say that. I, I, you know, I've never been in this situation before. I don't know what I'm supposed to, I don't know exactly how to handle it, but we'll, let's figure this out together. Um, I think that's part of mastery that keeps the motivation moving forward. Wow. And that David Horsager a couple of weeks ago was talking about if your team thinks you're perfect and all you do is talk about the successes like that's not what they need they need to understand you're a human being like them and if they understand mm -hmm. you're a human being then that allows them to be a human being as well and there's yes. so much power in humility um and, and vulnerability mm -hmm. right and the, the idea it's okay to say i don't know you don't you don't have to know everything if you knew everything and can do everything as a leader you wouldn't need your team <laughs> it's true. <laughs> we got to understand that it's it's not a weakness. That's a strength. It is. Yeah. That, that's a huge nugget. I mean, if and there's so many things already that that people can take from our conversation. But mm -hmm. but if if they take nothing else, that is so so huge. There. Mm -hmm. Anything you want to? Anything else you want to share related to motivation before we step into team empowerment? I you know. <clears throat> and maybe this will tie everything all together, uh, but your attitude is everything. And we kind of talked about that a couple of days ago. Um, and, you know, we've heard that, you know, if your mother ever said that to you, she was right. You can call her up today and tell her, mom, you were right. Um, but uh, your attitude truly is everything. And so it's our attitude behind what we do that drives us. And so checking that attitude, um, the best way to do that is to have, um, is to be, you know, filled with gratitude. You know, there's a lot of talk nowadays about having a gratitude journal, um, but that's powerful. I mean, you don't have to go out and buy a journal. I, I just, on my notes section of my phone, <laughs> I have something that's called gratitude. And every now and then something will pop into my mind. I'm like, man, I need to write that down. And, and I just will put it down in my phone and, you know, but that keeps you, it keeps you grounded. Um, your attitude drives you. Again, if you're trying to fill be everything to all people there's there's a reason behind that maybe you're feeling actually like you're not enough and so you feel like you have to be everything to all people and maybe your attitude needs to change and simply say i i am enough i'm enough the way i am yeah yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. so when you, I hear you say attitude i wrote down a couple of things i wrote them down earlier too we've been covering so many great things it, the the leader and you talk about this attitude really sets the tone and, mm -hmm. and sets the emotional tone of the organization. We're all emotional human beings. Yeah. There's so much power in positivity. There, there's so much power when you walk into a room and you just look and you smile at somebody. Mm -hmm. And there, there's also a lot when it relates to, to motivation about the leader bringing energy 
into the room, into the team. And that all starts with your attitude and your intentional attitude and this idea that, you know, and, and you, you close it up with and, and realizing you don't have to be perfect. You're good enough the way you are relates to confidence, mm-hmm. you know, and you've got to have, I think you've got to have that confidence and that acceptance of yourself to really be a good leader. Um, and then, it, then you can do things that like say, Hey, I don't know. <laughs> and that's yeah. okay. Right. Absolutely. Uh, there's another um, illustration that just popped into my mind and um, it's, are you a thermostat or are you a thermometer? So a thermostat sets the temperature for the room, right? It doesn't go above. It doesn't go below. It stays the same. It controls the temperature. It controls the energy in the room, if you will. A thermometer shows what the energy is in the room. It picks up the energy of the room. And so we have probably too many thermometers running around and we just, we feed off the energy of other people, whether it's good energy or bad energy. I want to be the thermostat. I want to walk in the room and say, okay, this is the temperature it's going to be. I'm bringing my energy and, and this is what it's going to be. And instead of me feeding off maybe negatively, um, sometimes positively, it's not a bad thing if it's positive, but I'd rather be a thermostat than I'd be a thermometer. Wow. So, so people are going to be seeing that quoted uh, next week when we release this podcast uh, through LinkedIn. And what an incredible, incredible exa- example. I'm going to stamp that in my brain because um, that's really, are you going to be a thermostat or are you going to be a thermometer? Mm-hmm. We've got to control what that energy and what that emotion and, and set that for our organizations. Mm-hmm. And if we do, wow, it is incredibly, incredibly powerful. So let's talk about, as we start to wrap up today and, and step into our third thing here, team empowerment. Yeah. Team empowerment is crucial um, because if we don't get it, we can't advance our organization or our department or our team at all. So team empowerment is, is first of all, you've, you've communicated clearly to your team, what the vision is, what their goal, where they fit and what they belong. And then being able to identify what, what are the activities, projects, um, roles that this person needs to take on and don't don't just give it to them. I, I think too often, we we delegate and because we don't really understand what delegation really should look like, most effectively look like. I don't like to use the word should. I don't think we should should on each other. <laughs> <laughs> um, but <clears throat> what what it effectively looks like is when I give a task to someone, I first of all, I recognize that it's in their wheelhouse. It's something they're capable, even if they're not, you know, I think John Maxwell says, uh, if they're 50, 60% capable of doing it as good as you, I, or 80%, I, I would go and say as low as 50 because, you know what, I wasn't a good walker when I started out. And I'm glad my mom didn't say, oh, she's not a walker. <laughs> the first time I fell over when I was two. Uh, but, you know, I, I learned how to walk um, very effectively <laughs> today. And so if someone can take a responsibility on at least 50% doing it as well as as you then then give it to them but you don't just pass it to them and like let go you know uh paul j meyer he's the founder of the lmi organization and he was famous for saying show me um tell me show me let me correct me so tell me what i'm supposed to do show me what i'm supposed to do 
let me do it and then come back in and correct me show me show you know tell me the areas that i maybe could have refined it or done it a little better like let me know how i can adjust myself and so when we give responsibility to that person we need to be aware as the leader what are all the tools that they need to get this job done do they have that do they need any training do they need any um, guidance what kind of guidance do they need we don't want to micromanage but we want to be able to check in periodically hey how is it going what are your challenges how can i support you not how can i fix it um, and then after a while we can pull ourselves back and maybe check in very infrequently and then at some point we can delegate and just know with confidence that we've developed uh, such a relationship with this person that they're able to ask the questions that they need to ask and then just take it and do it um, you know so there's different levels of delegation and so uh, that's one thing i talk with my clients is you know identify what what level they're at and where would you like them to be and then here's some, you know, we give them steps of, of how to get them to that place. Okay. So that was a mouthful. <laughs> so that, no, I love that. No, I'm, I'm taking all kinds of notes. Okay, love, good. Love, love it. So, so the first question is, are they capable? And you believe mm -hmm. if they're at least 50% capable of doing it or doing it to at least 50% of the level, you could do it. Yes. That's, that's the first threshold. Yes. The, the second thing is make sure you provide, they have the right training or the right guidance. Mm-hmm. Third thing is we check in and yes. we support you versus solving the problem for you. Yes. And then, um, then as you get through that and as your team member grows and now they're not doing it to the 50% level that you could do it, but the 80 or 90 or the 120% level that yes. you could do it, that's the ultimate, then yeah. you're able to delegate with confidence yeah. and not worry about it. And then you went through the four stages tell me, show me, let me, you know, correct me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. It's, and, and what that does is all of a sudden they're, they, they own what they're doing. It, it's like, that's my thing. And, and so when, when we own something, we take good care of it. And so that's, that's what we want as leaders. We want our, our people to own their responsibilities um, with pride. Um, and we can't do that if we're always micromanaging, if we're always nitpicking. So the correct me part on the tell me, show me, let me correct me is not a nitpicky. It's, it's, you know, you did a fantastic job here. Um, you know, in the future, what if we did, you know, what would happen if you changed this one thing or what do you see needs to be changed? You know, let them come up with their own self, um, correction because more than likely I, I know when I make a mistake I'm fully aware of it <laughs> 100% that constructive feedback people want meaningful feedback they want to grow they want to reach their full potential yes. they, you know yeah. honestly and you look at performance evaluations and, and whether you're for or against those and how they're done people don't want something that just says oh you're amazing especially mm -hmm. the purpose-driven leaders that are always trying to be committed to excellence that are always trying to do things a better way. So if we provide this constructive feedback in a positive manner, just as you described, that's awesome. And that's an incredible, that's an incredible motivator. Absolutely. Um, and, and constructive feedback is, is specific. And I think too often um, we overuse words. So um, if we say, okay, you did a good job. I don't want to hear, I want to know what did I do good at? 
oh, well, you know what, you were really, um, I noticed that when you introduced this, this course to this team of people that you were working with, that you were, um, you were very articulate in how you brought it, brought it forward to the group. Um, or, you know, your punctuality is amazing. And I just want to commend you on that. Instead of saying, thank you for always doing a good job. What that doesn't mean anything, but tell me that my punctuality is great. Tell me that I'm precise with my words and that I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind with my words. Um, tell me that I, um, I'm detail oriented and I don't miss things. I don't pass in sloppy work, but it's, it's, it's articulate. It's, it's precise. There's no errors. Be very specific in your, in your um, feedback so that they can constructively grow. That's the, that's the point. Wow. So we're unpacking what does effective delegation look like in, in under the theme of team empowerment. Mm-hmm. That team empowerment is so important. We just talked a few minutes ago uh, on what motivates people and the, and the components in, that impact you know, intrinsic motivation. One of them is autonomy. So this team empowerment, enabling our team, giving them the authority, giving them the tools, giving them the support. Mm-hmm. I talk a lot about, you know, it's the leader's job isn't to do the things. If the leader's job is to take care of the people who do the things and to give them the resources and the coaching and the support that they need, right? And then get the heck out of their way and yeah. go let them do it. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that is so powerful. And then the other thing you talked about is ownership. And mm-hmm. I believe ownership is the 10X of employee engagement. Like we want all of our people to be owners. You think about the difference between owners and, and renters. When, when you rent an apartment, and I'm sure you rented a place at some point <laughs> in your life, Karen, you know, when you're renting an apartment, did you ever think about redoing the roof or adding a deck or mm-hmm. you know, improving something in the garage? No, you didn't because you didn't. That's what owners do. And we want mm-hmm. people to constantly look at their role and the organization. How can they constantly make it better? And not for me or for you, but for them. Absolutely. And ownership is such a powerful, powerful, powerful tool. What else do you have for us? Because you've shared so much in the team empowerment side. What else do you have for us in that realm? Or are those the main things that you really focus on? I would say those are the main things, but, um, and I don't, I can't remember if I already said this or not, but um, really being flexible in what we, um, you know, when we have a project, it may be, maybe if you're working with a team, instead of just saying, hey, I'm going to give this to Johnny and this to Susie and this to to Bob, um, what if we say, I have these three projects, this is what they, each one entails, do I have anybody that would like to volunteer? Because maybe what I thought I'd give to John would have been better for Bob. You know, and, and so getting people, again, being part of the, the planning picture and being part of the process and that conversation, um, again, that, that really brings in the ownership. Um, and I'd say checking in with people. Like, uh, a lot of times people are afraid. Leaders are so afraid to delegate. <laughs> One guy that I worked with, um, I hope you'll listen to it because I know he'll get a chuckle. But <laughs> I had told him ahead of time that one of the lessons was all about delegation. And he's like, well, that should be fun. He said, I can't delegate anything. And, and I, I remember asking him why. And he goes, well, I don't want to work myself out of a job. It's such a fear, especially for people that are like middle management. They're so afraid if I delegate stuff, there's no value left in me. 
no, 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 no. You just increase your value so much more because now if you delegated all these things off your plate, you're not sitting back on your, in your office with your feet up on your desk, eating bonbons and, you know, watching Netflix while no one's watching. <laughs> you're, you are now free to think, to, you know, eagle eye perspective on the organization, your department. Um, you can plan, you can, you can invest in people more. Um, you have more time now to be more impactful on your organization than ever before. So it's like so powerful to delegate. It's so amazing. It is so powerful. And I've seen it so many times as leaders, we got to be happy that we're empowering our stars. And and just like with our kids, we want our team members to be better than us, to surpass us, to have a greater impact. That doesn't decrease our value. Actually, that increases our value and that increases the impact and the difference we're able to make. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I've seen a lot of people fall into that trap. Um, I've been the victim of that through my own career where you have somebody who gives you, you know, incredible evaluations, who's your biggest cheerleader and supporter. And the next thing you know, you're like, what happened? There's jealousy and there's envy and there's resentment and standoffishness. And if we, we you know, this goes back to EQ and that emotional intelligence as well. Mm -hmm. Everybody right now should do a little self-assessment. How are they doing in this area? Because it doesn't mean you're bad or, or anything right. else like that. You're human. But we've got to try to be aware of that and eliminate that because it's, it's so damaging to what it is we're trying to accomplish. So true. Self-evaluation is, is so key. Like if you're not pulling yourself back periodically, even daily, <laughs> just how can I better myself? Um, how can I evaluate myself differently? Um, you're missing out. You really are. You're missing out. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Well, we have unpacked an incredible amount of information in a short time I love that. You know, I hate going to, to classes or trainings or listening to something that, that should have taken two minutes, but it took four hours. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And so being able to share so many actionable things from time management to motivation, you know, to the, the team empowerment, you know, really walking through so many people struggle with delegation. I was one of those people. I really struggled with it. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I did was I, I would just... I'd know and trust and they had it and I would just walk away and I would let them do it. You know what I mean? Just walk away and let them, let them do it. I mean, most of the things people do are not life or death, <laughs> right? Like, right. It's not life or death. It's it, most of the th mistakes that are made are very, very correctable. That's and so, so it's, it's one of the things that, that we talk about with people. So, it, so there's a mistake, who cares? And a matter of fact, I think we need to encourage people. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay yeah. to fail. Uh, yeah. It's important to fail, to fail often, to fail forward, to learn, to grow, and you know, and and our relationship with failure. And the more people have confidence that if they do fail, if they do fall down, that you're going to pick them up, you're going to dust them off, you're going to get them back going in that direction. The more empowered they're going to be, the more motivated they're going to be. The greater chance they are to to really have that ownership. The greater chance they are to reach that potential that they never even thought that they had. Yeah, it's so true. I. I I've tried to remove the word failure from my own personal vocabulary because it just has such a negative connotation and, and no one likes to feel like a failure. I don't fail. I have learning opportunities. 
you know, cause like you said, I'm not doing brain surgery. So <laughs> that might be the only time that, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to fail there. Um, but you know, the, everything is correctable. You know, there, I might, I've learned a lot from it, but it's all correctable. And, you know, and we also don't, we're, we're looking in this solo lens. We forget that there are other people maybe watching us that might've learned something even more powerful than we, what we ourselves learned. So I think being willing to fail and, and view it as an opportunity is amazing. That is, that is any calls to action you want to leave our listeners with as we, uh, as we start to head out today. Yeah, I would, I would really encourage you to, um, you know, stop today, like, you know, what we talked about, if there was something that really kind of resonated with you to, um, you know, reach out to either one of us, but, um, but just to stop today and like, think what, what is my goal? Where am I going? And what am I doing that is not advancing me towards that goal? And how can I change that? Um, and write that down, take some time to write something down today, because when we write, it crystallizes our thoughts. It brings complete focus and attention and powerfully powerful things happen. Wow. Well, Karen, thank you so much for joining me thank today. You. Really appreciate it. If you want to learn more about Karen, if you want to work with Karen, um, you know, within the podcast uh, description details, wherever you're getting it from, there's going to be direct links there about how to get in touch with Karen. Um, she is an incredible, incredible leader, an incredible person, an incredible coach. I know I've taken so much away from our conversation today. And, and if we really focus in on these things, we're going to increase not only our productivity and success, mm -hmm. but the productivity and success of our team members. And, and if you're anything like me and, and like Karen, which I know a lot of people listening to this podcast are, I'm more worried and concerned about the success of our team members and their growth than I am my own. I'm always working on my own so I can help them accomplish more. Such a powerful thing that the topics of time management, motivation, team empowerment. To our listeners, thank you so much for taking this time, sharing this time with us. If you found the episode helpful, please consider subscribing, giving us a rating, leaving a review. It helps us so much to reach and help so many more people. Consider sharing it with your network. If you're interested in receiving more cutting-edge leadership information, techniques, strategies, insights, you can subscribe to our email list. It's on our website. We promise not to overwhelm your inbox. The direct link is in the podcast description. Again, thank you for joining us today. And remember, always be committed to excellence.